Welcome to this Cyberstorm in a nutshell. Today we're talking about startups. With me today is Jonas Wagner from ThreatRay and Jean-Philippe Omasson from Taurus. Thank you guys for coming. Thank you for having us. Uh, Jean-Philippe, um, you are a scientist, a cryptographer. You've worked for Kodelsky many years. You had one of these rare scientific positions in the industry, I presume, certain salary. And you gave this up to work in a startup, to found a startup. And on top, you continue to publish books. Uh, and you're a family man, family man on top. The latest book you published was with your daughter. You look very healthy. You're back from holidays. You still have holidays. How, how do you do this? What is your secret to all this life? <laughs> well, well, thank you, Christian, for this introduction. I don't know if I deserve so many good words. Uh, but regarding the first point you mentioned, um, I've been walking almost 10 years for the Kudoski Group. I've been lucky to work in different roles, uh, doing very technical stuff, and learning a lot, doing consulting, uh, working with software and hardware. And at some point, like many people, you feel like, okay, I've worked in a big company, maybe it's time I'm at this stage in my career, when is the best time if I want to do my own projects, my own startups, mm -hmm. so that's what I decided. So I left Kudoski in very good terms, it's a very good company, and I started these this new adventures. But yet time management, you know, as many startup founders <laughs> know, it tends to be the, <laughs> the most challenging part. The of most it. challenging part yes. of it. Okay. And you started in 2018, I think, and Threadway also started in 2018. Exactly. Uh, you have a bit of a different background, Jonas. You did your studies, and out of your studies, you started Threadray. Exactly. Is that how you get it? Yeah. So um, the, let's say the core part of what we do was actually part of my master's thesis. So we had this university lab at the University of Applied Sciences in Bern and um, we developed algorithms around analyzing malware threats and out of that came basically the, the fundamental algorithms that we now then transformed into the product at Threadray. Okay, so this is what you're doing. You researched something which you thought interesting, it yeah. kind of worked and then you guys decided, hey, let's build a company around this idea because apparently there is something exactly so you mentioned malware analysis so what is it that you do so from a technical background uh, what we try to do initially is to uh, have a new way of identifying malware threats so instead of looking at high level patterns as it often is we try to go deeper and uh, try to identify code fragments of malware because malware is just like software, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so we're looking at code. Uh, threats are already code and software. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So we try to identify and re-identify similar types of threats to connect them with each other, which then allows you to very accurately identify certain threats. So not just say bad or good, but is it type A or type B or type C? And mm -hmm. then out of this idea basically came the product because uh, we're very good at identifying that and that's a use case everyone likes to have on one hand and on the other hand we also make these threats searchable just like a search engine right so you can go through millions of threats in seconds and say well have i seen this before right have i been affected in the past by this and out of that then basically came this product right okay so you're getting like a, a lot of malware samples yeah. and then you try to group them with algorithms. Yeah, that we, sounds we, a lot we make like them, machine learning. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, we use some machine learning in between. 
and um, we make it searchable. And by making them searchable, we basically lift the capabilities of identifying and correlating attacks to a new depth that um, is not easily doable or easily accessible for for um, so that's a, a new thing. Yeah. that's a new thing that you're doing there. Okay, talking about new, you're not the f you're a blockchain startup in the widest sense. No, Christian, we're, we're not a blockchain startup. We're not a blockchain startup. But you're working in cryptographic assets. Yes, it's related to the blockchain space. Yeah, uh, uh, so blockchain speak, so. space, that sounds good. <laughs> uh, but you're right, many people are confused when they go to our website and like, what do you do? Do you do I hardware can confirm software? that, I can confirm yes. that, yeah. <laughs> so ultimately, we, we talk not purely of blockchain, but of digital assets, That's because today there's a big evolution uh, whereby not only individuals, but also institutions and financial actors and even financial regulators like FINMA in Switzerland are moving into this space. Mm -hmm. So what we do, so we enable financial institutions, so mainly banks, to work to manage digital assets. So when we say digital assets, it can be cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin, Ethereum, mm -hmm. the one that everybody knows, mm -hmm. but also digital currencies such as um, DM, or if we have one there, a digital Swiss franc. Right. And it's also, and that's maybe what's the newest, tokenized securities. So yeah. financial instruments that live in the classical finance world, but that can be represented as digital tokens mm -hmm. on a blockchain or more generally on a digital ledger. So if you read the new law that was passed uh, a few months ago in the Swiss parliament, uh, it allows um, in the context of the Swiss law to work with tokenized securities, mm -hmm. but the word blockchain is not even mentioned. mentioned. So they yeah. talk of electronic ledger. Yeah. yeah. So Going back to what we do, so we are a fintech financial technology company. Um, we are a technological company, and we do the technology that banks can integrate or work with in a, in a SaaS mode to manage, um, to store safely their securities. So storing is not like gold, the more you have, the more uh, stuff you need <laughs> to put in a room. It's just digital, so it's just one cryptographic key or a few cryptographic keys that you have to, to protect. And if these keys are stolen, then you, you lose the money. Yeah. So that's the biggest challenge. That's the biggest challenge. Yeah. This is where you come in. Yes, because secu you bring that cryptographic knowledge to banks that don't have it. Exactly. So yeah. it's like a security puzzle, security engineering. Mm -hmm. But maybe the most challenging part, at least from my perspective, because my background is in security, cryptography. I've been doing this for 10 years. I know this in and out. Yeah. But what is often quite challenging is to integrate this technology in the bank's ecosystem, in the bank's IT, and to connect all the, um, all the pipes to make sure that your product doesn't jeopardize the security posture, the compliance posture of the bank, because Swiss banks have very, as you may know, very strict procedures, processes. Okay, um, so, oh, of course, so, so compliance is a big challenge for you as well, and your customers oh risk yes. a compliance problem unless you do your job properly. Right. And we're very serious because we are regulated ourselves. We have uh, a FINMA license, a security house license. Yeah, that was um, the first time you really hit the news. Uh, when I saw you hitting the news, exactly. was you obtained the license. Yeah, so we're in this funny situation where we are, on the one hand, a startup, you know, young, a bit chaotic, but we cannot be so chaotic because it's banks. we are <laughs> working with banks <laughs> and we are also very strict in terms of procedures. So mm -hmm. as chief security officer, I'm responsible of making sure that we follow all the processes in terms of, for example, uh, vulnerability management, uh, you know, mm -hmm. working with uh, you know, malware detection, for example, change management, incident response, 
uh, we are audited regularly by top firms, so we are very, very serious about it because we know that if we fail in terms of compliance, then it's bad for the us, company it's bad is, for the clients. Is, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I see that. So that is a very different outset for you because you have the freedom to develop something new right. and market a few market the analysts, sites, right? If yeah, a few labs there. while you guys need to talk to top management. Yeah, <laughs> it's maybe a different business model, I think. Yeah. From what I understand, yeah. so what you guys are doing is, I don't know if it can be called deep tech, but we, you're really innovating at the core of exactly. the malware detection yeah. engine. Yeah. Um, what's our work encompasses also the architecture. Yeah, and we have to integrate to a degree as well, because in, in most teams you already have different tools, right? You, yeah. you collect locks, you collect binaries, you collect uh, all different kind of things, and all of those technologies try to talk to each other, ideally. And then there's some technologies in between that try to make talking uh, much easier. And now comes our new technology and you need to tell people, well, where does this fit? Mm. Right? What does it connect to? What's the input? What's the output? Right? And uh, we also have to gain that understanding of, of uh, where do we fit? In how in to integrate, how connect yeah. to yeah. CMs yeah. and yeah. so exactly. on. Yeah. But the, the problem you're addressing, how to integrate and fit together, I mean, that is a global market, a global community, and yeah. everybody uses the same tools, I presume. More or less, yeah. More or less. Yeah. Well, as you have now a Swiss license, and I take it the regulation is different in every country. So if you have to be so close to the regulation, it's challenging to go to a bigger market. So yeah, on the one hand, so there's the Swiss security license mm -hmm. uh, regarding the exchange that we are operating. I did not mention it, but we run this uh, exchange on TDX. Yeah. So you're a bit of a jack of all trades when it comes to digital ledgers. Well, we try to. I will not. I don't like to use the word holistic, but we try to provide but all. It's the used on the website. Holistic. Is Maybe it, it is. <laughs> but we, as a client, as a bank, uh, you don't want to talk to ten different parties with ten yeah. different. So you stem. bring anything digital ledgers to a mid-sized bank who doesn't have the know-how and doesn't have the capacity. Right, so for, for example, very simply, we have both technology to store the assets, mm -hmm. also to integrate them in your um, core banking, mm -hmm. and also to issue your own token. So if you want yeah. to create the Swiss Cyberstorm coin tomorrow, Oh, you yeah, can. Let, let's note it. <laughs> <laughs> and also security, so it's an important aspect, software security. We need to be able to demonstrate that we, uh, our IT environment is safe, uh, that we have uh, logs uh, of everything we do, and that we, for example, we're immune to all sorts of malware. So I'm very interested about what Nas has to say. <laughs> Great. Cool. But then you're ultimately targeting a bigger market than, Swi than Switzerland. Now. I mean, so we are global. We have clients in Europe. We have clients in the US as well. And um, then with Swiss banking know-how, you're ready for the US market. Yeah, well, kind of that. Yeah, it, we start locally because we're also the key to have in Switzerland a very mature uh, ecosystem and financial actors that have been willing to approach this, uh, this world of digital assets and also very pragmatic regulator. I think FINMA has been doing very, very good work in um, issuing new, new regulations. Okay, so, so yeah, I mean that, there is the point with we could destroy this new market with bad regulation. So it's how open do you leave it, how much you do we regulate it, and you think Switzerland's done a good job there. Yeah, I think because some people would ask you, oh, do you believe in Bitcoin and blockchain? The question is not your personal opinion regarding whether yeah, you sure. think it will be good or, or not, whether it will stay. We have to realize the reality is that it's out there. Uh, there's tons of money, billions and trillions of money invested. 
there are opportunities. So regardless of whether or not you like it or believe <laughs> in it, yeah, yeah. from business perspective, yeah. there is business to be made. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think I, I got that as much as that. Uh, what, what you said, Jonas, is you're doing something new. So that looks like, I was surprised this is new, uh, by the way, but the way you explained it to us, uh, this is new technology. So you're bringing something new to the market, and I guess the competition is far different from what I understand is digital ledger startups. That's a shark tank. Yeah. Well, we do just B2B. So I don't know if you guys do B2B, B2C, or B2B cloud space. Yeah. Or yeah. 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 But, but there's so many of these startups in this domain. I mean, the competition is huge. While as your competition, it's probably tough, or selling is always difficult. Yeah, yeah. But it's not like a hundred companies who try to do the same thing that you yeah, do. Exactly. Well, I would mm. say the opposite actually, because uh, even this morning I was looking at the situation with you know malware detection and point security for different platforms, and there are tons of vendors that the old ones trying to catch up. They are the new entrants, mm. but in our space there are very few companies doing the kind of thing what we do. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So, um, so for an outsider like me, it looks like, yeah, it's the, it's the same. No, there are it's tons not. of uh, companies doing blockchain things, mm -hmm. but companies doing, you know, banking grade, uh, digital asset management, issuance and storage, using things that banks can accept. accept. Uh, there's maybe two or three players ah, in, okay. in Switzerland so and very few in, in so Europe. So you would say between a bank and a blockchain startup, there's a huge gap and you fit uh, in there. Yeah. Yes, because okay. a, a bank that is regulated uh, and that has a lot of constraints regarding, for example, protection of clients' personal data, mm -hmm. regarding loss of funds, uh, it's a completely different game than even small investment funds or individuals or small organizations yeah. that just want to make money quickly. Sure. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a completely different uh, different game. Okay. okay. And I think the sales cycles. Uh, I don't know in you guys' case, but um, if you work with a bank, you really have to get their trust because you will be in contact with well their funds directly, potentially with their client um, identifiers. Mm -hmm. So it can be very sensitive and therefore it can take a lot of time right. to go through all the due diligence and evaluation processes. Until you have yeah. a partnership established. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like I guess if you run an antivirus, if you do malware detection, you might have to work with the kernel, uh, you might have to be very low in the, um, <laughs> in the system. So uh, I have a friend who is doing something a bit similar to what you're doing, and they had to demonstrate that their kernel model uh, was not backdoor. They had to do a number of security audits to demonstrate that it was safe. Mm -hmm. So when you're a new startup, and also when you approach big companies, the big companies, they will tell you, okay, you're a small startup, you're a very friendly guy, you do good tech, but do we know that in two years from now, you will still be around? Um, yeah, you have And you have this cash 22 at the beginning, or you have to, no. Yeah, I, I see that. Yeah, um, you're uh, not brand new startup. You started like three years ago. Both of you are still doing doing fine. You get investments. Uh, the way I looked at Fredway, this is a classic Swiss startup story, guys. It's a spin-off from University of Applied Sciences. You team with Andre Bangerter, right. um, you professor, yes. and you you launched a startup. You got some investments. Would you say this is classical best practice, or how this is how it works in Switzerland? Uh, that's hard to say uh, <laughs> or, or generalize. For for us, it worked well. We've heard of similar cases before of startups mm -hmm. who basically in, incepted out of of research work mm -hmm. and then saw an opportunity. So it worked out well for us in this case. Um, so far, 
so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so okay. far that um, that worked out well. Yeah. Okay, and you have university background, and then you need kind of need the business know-how as well. Yeah. And th is this is in your situation where the investors come in, so they're not only giving you a big check, they're also giving you knowledge, tips, so you exactly, don't have yeah. to fall into the traps. Uh, yeah, so so we're both techies, right? We yeah. come from the techie world. We know we know that. So you're like you two guys run the company, basically. Yeah, we run the company, and uh, the idea of of investors was not just money. Of that's important as well, but also experience mm -hmm. from this entire startup process. So we we have very little knowledge of of business, of how do we hire the right people, what are all the legal aspects that we need to consider, how to get from technology to a product to the market. And um, a lot of those angel investors became part of our advisory board. And um, we basically built that advisory board purely for the reason to uh, support us and mm -hmm. uh, extend our knowledge of this entire process and of the entire aspects of, of building a company from, from basically just the technology. Yeah. And that was uh, tremendously helpful to have a lot of insights and past learnings being, being transported to us. Okay, and, and for the investor, it becomes interesting because they can like kind of control what is happening to the money. B the closer yeah, they are to it's, you. It's, uh, I also have the feeling they enjoy that. They want mm -hmm. to be part of the process. They, they want to share their knowledge. So that's the serial investor who has yeah. fun working with startups. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. They've seen startups before and they say, well, here I can help. Okay. Right? Not just with money, so but I've, I've seen this situation. Uh, how about you do it like this? Because of my experience, yeah. I can tell you this works out best. Right. Okay, so in your case, that is Aria Ludi from the Hammer team, for example, Thomas Dubendorfer, yes. well-known Swiss angel yes. investors. Yeah. yeah. So okay. they, have, they have a lot of uh, experience in, in supporting the, the build-up of startups. They also had their own startups. So mm -hmm. that's uh, extremely helpful to, to have these insights and these learning from, from people who have been in, in this industry for a long time yeah. to, to basically profit from them. And okay. And uh, ultimately, you need to learn so many things very quickly and mm -hmm. at least have a basic understanding of many different things besides technology. And that really accelerates this kind of learning process. process yeah, I get that. So, uh, so there was a professor and a student. And in your situation, that, that was really different because different, you guys yeah. did not go to school together. Uh, no, really. <laughs> By the way, the, the names I hear from your board, I think you're, you're in, in, in good hands and one of the person you mentioned, I had a discussion with him and uh, I guess he will help you on this side. It may be a stereotype, but you know, startups in Switzerland, we tend to have very skilled, very good technology, it's very yeah. knowledgeable people, very smart people, very trustworthy, trustworthy people. But unlike Americans, we have a different approach to, to selling, to approaching to the business. market. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're not too much into the fake it until you make it. It's like <laughs> make it and then try to, 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 to find the market. <laughs> By the way, we have a product. Yeah, and yeah. I think uh, as young founders and as people with technical background like I have, uh, we may be a bit naive or inexperienced, but mm -hmm. sometimes what I've learned through my uh, few years of startup is that we we should not, you know, hesitate into not exaggerating, but mm -hmm. being proud of what we do, okay. and being bold and telling confidently clients what our stuff is doing. Because you know, you, you, you maybe uh, you go from uh, come from school, you have a scientific background. So the first thing you would say is that we're doing this, but we're not doing that. There is this limitations, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh. and sometimes it scares okay. clients. So okay, and does that make you uneasy? 
to be bold and go out and say we've solved this? Yeah, initially because you tend, you know, you like to, well, you want to preserve your integrity, yes. your intellectual okay. honesty, your reputation. Maybe you're a scientist. You publish books and you make sure there are no mistakes in the book. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know if I can be called a scientist today, but I stick to this, you know, scientific yeah. approach and going to the market, selling stuff and doing business generally is a completely different game. Yeah. And intellectually, in terms of integrity of communication, is a completely different game you have to play. Yeah. Uh, and that was the biggest challenge for me when for I... For you really? Yes, yeah. and even now. So, okay. and I, But I'm lucky maybe it's a good transition with your question. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned we, we are four co-founders um, mm -hmm. and Taurus would never be here uh, if I was the only one on board. Okay. You know. uh, I think the, the, the key people driving the company uh, it was Sebastian De Simo and Amin Brahimi, mm -hmm. who have background. So they they have an engineer training. So they did the PFL. So they yeah. have both the technical understanding, and then they have the experience of working with big consulting firms and with fin financial organizations, private banks, hedge funds. Yeah. So they know the language. Of they know the, the language. Yeah. They have the network, uh, yeah. and I've been learning a lot. You know, yeah. in terms of how yeah. banks work, uh, mm -hmm. how finance is working. And that's maybe our strengths, the fact that we're complementary. We also have the fourth co-founder who has a low background. He's a lawyer. He worked with Finma before. Yeah. And when you approach client, then you can talk the same language regarding whether you talk about legal aspects, you talk about financials, you talk about security, cryptography. Mm -hmm. And then it's easier to gain the trust of the, of the client. Because ultimately, it's also a cliche, but investors, client, they they bet on people because bet on people, yeah. the product will change, yeah. the world will change, yeah. but the people will stay the same. What? Yeah, to a certain degree. Yeah, yeah. Certain degree. yeah. No, I mean, in the end, they buy you and you're already in your passion and yeah, that they trust that you do a good product. Right, and they yeah. trust you in like being true to yourself because they know you have skin in the game. Yes. So it's uh, in your yeah. interest to make the clients happy. Yeah. To yeah. That's a, a good point because uh, it was funny when we pitched to the first couple of investors, we asked them, so what do you look for? And they said, the team. Yeah. Because sometimes they understand the technology, sometimes uh, not. Mm. But it's fine. They trust the team. They trust other people who invest yeah. in the same team. Yeah. So it's kind of this network effect. But ultimately, it's exactly what you say, yeah. right? It's the team. Yeah, Mr. Frank, Andre Bangerter, he's very, has very good reputation. Yeah. I know him. He's one of the, of the people in security I respect the most in the country. Yeah. So yeah. not the only one. Yeah. So and and you talked about this network effect. So when the first inventor investor signs up, then the other investors get the signal. Okay, we can make the step as well. Does that work out with your well, I think situation sometimes as well? This, um, sometimes this aspect, you know, investors want to feel they're not the only one to believe in the company. Yeah. But sometimes, it's, from my experience, it can be the opposite. They want to be the first. To have the best uh, relationship and to be maybe the, the lead investor to you, yeah, yeah. Okay. and maybe to influence you. Um, I don't know. I, in our case, um, in the case of Taurus, so we did not start by working with VCs by seeking VC investment. We had quite a different approach. Mm, oh, okay. We did the first round, you know, family and friends. Mm -hmm. We did a Series A last year, where we onboarded some new investors, including big blockchain foundations, uh, including banks. But we don't we don't have pure VC funds uh, as our investors. Mm -hmm. It might change in the next round, but currently uh, we have let's say full control of the company. The founders still have majority equity in the company. 
Mm -hmm. But it's also due to the nature of the company. I'm not saying that VCs are good or bad. Yeah, uh, just it, you, the it way depends you on your approach. You and took uh, it, yeah. yeah. And as you just mentioned, they can be very helpful, helping you first of all build a network, um, and also you know how to approach the market because VCs tend to have a good network also of other companies in the portfolio. So they will help you find synergies and uh, yeah. they know the mistakes not to make. Yeah, yeah, I think that's exactly the same. Yeah, so yeah. it is not only money that you're getting, but it's a network of knowledge exactly. that you can then use. Yeah. And otherwise you would have to buy this knowledge and that would be much more difficult. Yeah, I get that. Okay. Um, when we look at your the two companies, uh, you're still the two techies running uh, that and the investor we've mentioned they're fairly close to you so right. they're like in on the day-to-day -day management they play a role as well but in your case you're a more classical firm that you have founders they're the executive board so uh, we have a, a board a company we have an executive committee mm -hmm. so we have a structure that kind of resembles that of a bank uh, because to be compliant with the bank, it helps to have the same structure. We need to have this, you know, let's say uh, um, accountability, this specific role. So, who is responsible for oversight, who is responsible for operations, and so on. So, we are very structured for these for these reasons. Um, okay, yeah. well, you're more flexible because you don't have to be so clear. Right. Uh, the, the management is essentially the the two founders mm -hmm. that we have and then we have this advisory board that is more on a pull basis, right? If we need to s if know something, need, yeah, yeah. we go. Okay. And you obviously have a phone we have and they'll pick up the phone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they do pick up the phone. <laughs> That's good. Every time. Good to know. And um, <laughs> we have the board which which also includes uh, part of the investors and um, they obviously have have uh, a lot of knowledge in, in how to structure board, how to on a high level manage a company as well, right? But okay. ultimately it's still uh, Andre and Mai's decision to lead the company where we think it needs to go. Okay, interesting. And you're like eight to 10 people now. Exactly. Tell me. Okay, so wha what is your size now? Because you have the same age as the company. Yeah, we, we're close to, to 40 and it's mostly engineers and uh, okay. with the um, HQ in Geneva. Um, there are another office in Lausanne where most mm -hmm. of the engineers are. And um, and you're at the stage now where you launched your product, your services, you're accepting customers. Your basic, the first step is done. Yeah, we have clients. We've been lucky mm. initially because, I mean, to make a long story short, the first product we have our flagship product called Torres Protect, which is the technology to store and manage uh, credentials. So mm -hmm. the premise of the company was to found an exchange platform. Mm -hmm. So to have an exchange, we needed this kind of storage okay. management solution. We looked in, in the market and we did not find anything satisfactory, so we en ended up building our own solution. Ah, okay, okay, yeah. it gets interesting. And <laughs> the story is that we, earn, you know, spring 2018, we had a meeting with a, a bank, and uh, they were telling us they were also looking for this kind of solution, and we told them, oh, by the way, we're building our own, we're considering, you mm -hmm. know, offering into the market, and I said, okay, so join our, our RFP. You're like, okay, you know. That, not is sure. not th that is not the idea of the company. But yeah, no. but then we w there were maybe 12 entrants in the RFP and we ended up putting the RFP and now we are working with this big private bank. Um, so, so sometimes, you know, you have a plan initially in a, in, a, in, a, in a startup. It's good to have a plan. You need to have a plan for three years. But ultimately the things the market go completely could be differently. Different. I think that is typical of a startup, isn't yeah. it? That as you approach the market, you learn that actually that side product is much more interesting. 
<laughs> yes, and it's based ultimately in our position. We are really driven by the demand of the clients and their needs. So we try to listen to them because maybe we might believe as an engineer, you know, engineers, oh, this is exciting, yeah, implement yeah. this new feature, <laughs> this new blockchain is so cool, they have zero knowledge proof, da, da, da. Yeah, tell me all about it, yeah. But then the clients <laughs> will say, well, from our perspective, from the business perspective, we want to support this platform that you may not like, but, and everybody has a different perspective, so you, you need to consider all aspects, both on the short term and long term. Um, because that, again, has an effect on the company and your long term plan. Yes, uh, because uh, also, you know, clients might say, we want this now in two months. Yeah. But you have to consider that y there is this new technology being developed that will be mature maybe in one or two years. Yeah. And then clients that don't know it, they don't understand it, yeah, but yeah. in two years. And if you're you always uh, running after two month projects, you'll never be there. Right, and but you will lag behind will come, because yeah. the new startup will be there. So yeah. it's very, you know, you need to do all the tactical stuff okay. and all the strategical stuff as well. Mm. Okay, That's very nicely said because uh, we also run into this uh, several times on on one hand, you have this um, internal drive to create something cool out of this technology, but you still need to kind of manage it to towards the market and target it towards the market. And then the market is, I would say, more, more short-term in a sense of I want this, I want this, I want yeah. this. But on the other hand, you still have to have your internal strategy for the next year, for the next two years. And as you said beforehand, uh, sometimes you, you see things that uh, the market might not see or not yet see, and maybe only certain parts of the market see that. And you also need to have a little bit of a, a belief that what you're building could be valuable in one year or two, two years. years. Maybe not yeah. now, mm. but in yeah. a year. The market or two. might yeah. not be ripe so far. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, the challenge for you is that the security market, and especially like the cybersecurity detection market, it's often driven by hype. And the yeah. problem is that clients, they rarely have a way to benchmark to evaluate the efficiency of a product. So if you look at the big names, they have tons of marketing, they do yeah. this and that. Maybe they have good products, I don't know. But as a client, you have very few ways to measure you know, yeah. how effective it is. Like yeah. you buy a new car, you drive the car, you can try it. Mm. But manual detection uh, is very hard because you can detect everything, it's easy to detect everything, you block everything. The yeah. hard problem is to know, you know how to manage false positive, false negative, how to manage risk, uh, how to integrate it in the platform, how to manage performance overhead. And, and the customer uh, will not notice until he has used it for a certain amount of time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, that is also a problem where I work. Okay. Okay, guys, and next question. Uh, looking at you two websites, when I did my research, one thing that struck me is there is a total absence of women in this game. This tells me, or might tell me two things. A, startup world is a man's world, or B, you don't need women because you have enough good men around. Who wants to pick up? So <laughs> hiring, that's a very yeah, important point in the company because, uh, I mean, uh, as you mentioned, hiring, it's also, you cannot afford casting errors. People is very important. So we are very diligent uh, in our hiring process, how we talk to people, how we carry out interviews. Uh, the time we spend talking to people, listening to people, and regarding diversity, that's a conversation we often have because we want to be open, we want to more generally in terms of company culture, uh, to be open to your different opinions, different types of, of people. And regarding women specifically, so it's not surprised that when you, you put an open position for I don't know, an engineer, some, a mm -hmm. developer, you receive 50 applications. You and do. If you, you receive 50 applications, you will likely receive 45 men. Yeah. Um, that's how it is. Yeah. And then you do the interviews and you hire the people that fit the best and you're open to any profile. 
And as a matter of fact, so we, we have two, two women in the companies uh, and one who is engineer. Um, and that's, um, that's how it is. Um, the market, it's such that you, you put a job application, a job, a job opening. Yeah, but it's not only a matter of recruiting, it's also who is founding security startups in Switzerland. And apparently you guys are all males, yeah, the founders. And it, in your case, it's all males so as well. Yeah, so yeah, there okay. seems to be, founding a security startup doesn't seem to be very interesting or less interesting for women. And apparently the pool is smaller. I think it's evolving. I see more and more women uh, entering this game. So of course, when you're a minority, entering a world, then you have all the problems of being in a minority. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think it should not be about you know, finger pointing or but just, be just being open and maybe stating as maybe on your website that, okay, you're open to mm -hmm. every application, you encourage this. Uh, some companies have kind of you know, affirmative action or positive discrimination. Some people chose not to do this. Um, uh, I don't think there's any good or bad, it depends on your ecosystem, but ultimately what matters a lot, uh, it's the company culture, because many companies, you know, they do greenwashing, they are, do pro-diversity on the website, uh, but it's completely hypercritical, because internally, they don't have good company culture. So what we really enforce in the company is a culture of respect, of respect mm -hmm. of opinions, uh, avoiding politics, and when someone is, let's say, not, uh, not in line with this, we respectfully tell the person, okay, this one's not okay. Please be careful next time. Okay. But, uh, okay. And as you're apparently smaller, is that a problem you already have or that you're looking at, or this is something for next year when you're approaching the 100 employees? Yeah, so <laughs> obviously we also want to have an inclusive culture and um, we have cultural values that we hire for. Mm -hmm. ultimately and um, if it doesn't work out then it doesn't work out but uh, I think it's a very important point as you mentioned before and uh, to to have this this proper process of hiring and selecting because if you're so small you cannot really make a lot of mistakes otherwise mm -hmm. you you uh, end up in the ditch and um, so the hiring process really has to be focused on avoiding mistakes very early on Mm -hmm. And um, we, we try to optimize for that and um, again it, it's good to have people who have done this and created yeah, this process before. before. And um, I think we also want to drive a, a culture, it's, it's not as uh, specked out as you mentioned it before, we're not there yet, but uh, that will come as well with growth. Okay. Uh, you said when you to have an engineering position open, you, seriously, you get 40 applications? Well, I just made up this yeah, number, yeah, I, I, but <laughs> we get an overwhelming majority of, um, of men. Yeah, uh, but, but you get a lot of applications when you have a job offering. We tend to receive a lot of applications. That is great, because what I hear for other companies is that uh, there's well, scratching I applications. I did not say good applications. Yeah, <laughs> sure, but only the best people are working <coughs> for you, I presume. So you weed out all the bad ones and you identify them quickly, but still, you at least you can choose. Yeah, we do our best, but for certain roles, it's relatively easy. Okay. For other roles, it's much harder. What has worked well is leveraging your network, uh, because people join a company, when you join a company, well, there's of course a salary, the job, yeah. uh, but for many people, it's, well, you join not a new family, but you join a new world, yeah. and you join people. You join people, you join and project, if your you friends are already there, then that helps. Your friend, and it's important, like the first impression you make on mm -hmm. the person you, you talk to. Yeah. If you are rude, if you're not respectful, yeah, if, sure. yeah. you know, people, they will forget the work, but they will remember how you made them feel. Yeah. 
So you want to be, be very welcoming to people, and you know, people talk always uh, when you do an interview. The people you interview, even if you don't accept them, they will talk about you with their friends, <laughs> with their mm -hmm. colleagues, yeah, yeah, yeah. and word spread. So we, we try to be very, you know, very careful to this and uh, to respect the time of the people we interview, mm -hmm. both in a positive and negative way. Right. So we don't want to m waste their time, but we value that time and we take time to uh, answer to everybody's yeah. questions. Yes, I, I guess that's, you said this before, you're not allowed to make a lot of mistakes because if you're hiring, let's say, a bad apple in a small company that drags <laughs> you down, really, and getting yeah, rid of for, for us, it would be uh, a tenth of the company. A tenth of the company yeah. and five people are affected yeah. and then you so have quarrels. Yeah, exactly, and if you have 500 and people and the one or two people are bad apples, it doesn't fall so much yeah. into the weight, but uh, yeah. with 10 people, uh, it I think it we're lucky in Switzerland to, in the, um, the management, the work environment, we tend to have a culture of respect, of listening to others, uh, and good. But and then, w if you work with many remote people, you might have, and especially if you work remotely, you don't have people face to face, and the language barrier, the cultural difference, uh, you have to be careful to avoid you know, misunderstandings. Yeah, 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 absolutely, and, uh, absolutely. And that naturally creeps in. Especially right? when you work with engineers who you know, <laughs> tend to have uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. skills. Yeah, <laughs> get this. Um, so recruiting is still possible in Switzerland. So basically, you find people, it depends on the position, but mm -hmm. it's not like the big corps have eaten up the market and everyone's, everybody wants to work no, in Zurich. No, not necessarily. Well, you have, of course, yeah, the, the big companies that we know in, in Zurich. Um, but sometimes it's the other way. For example, we hired some people who, who, who came left from who left Google yeah. uh, for a variety of, of reasons. Uh, but I believe in, in Switzerland we have some good companies. We have some um, good, uh, let's say, good schools. Mm -hmm. And the challenge, of course, from the school's perspective, is to provide a training that kind of matches the IT technology evolution mm -hmm. and that matches the needs of the, of the market. And it's really hard because, I mean, two or three years from now, uh, all the cloud-based systems, things like Kubernetes, was not same in terms of, you know, low-level uh, processors. Uh, now ARM is much more, uh, let's say, relevant than it used to be 10 okay. years ago. Okay. So um, also sc schools need to adapt. Mm -hmm. And you see that doing that? Or is that a topic for where you study BFH? Uh, like, let's produce uh, graduates that fit the market, like train for for future jobs. Yeah, I mean the, the education I had at the University of Applied Sciences was truly applied. So we, we learned <laughs> a lot of concepts. Yeah, so you're close to the industry. At yeah, the that, that you can actually apply in in the industry. It's a bit less theoretical and a bit more more practical. Let's say programming courses or a lot of the, mm -hmm. the malware courses and uh, cybersecurity mm -hmm. security courses that we have are actually a good amount of knowledge for a foundation on uh, on top that you can grow, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. And something, uh, yeah, that's a um, point I, I agree with. We have this, um, you know, in the factual and you have people who do very applied stuff, tend to work with industry a lot. So they get students very close to the market doing actual things. Mm -hmm. And then we have EPFL, ETH, we, that tend to be more fundamental. Mm -hmm. uh, but generally, both places they tend to do their best to be close to industry, to the real world, so to, so to speak. Yeah. 
which is not the case in every country. Uh, okay, so that is something that works in Switzerland, you think? Well, uh, as a French person, as a French citizen, <laughs> I appreciate this. In Switzerland, okay, yeah, I, w I was going a bit in that direction, that's interesting <laughs> uh, to learn. Uh, there, is a, there is a map of security startups published by Dream by DreamLab Technologies, and it's a huge map, it's a surprisingly big lab, just how many security startups there exist in Switzerland. Is, I don't know if you're familiar with all the names, I don't understand what most of them do, I ha many of them I've never heard the name, but apparently they exist. Uh, why do we have so many security startups in Switzerland? Is that a Swiss thing about security? We tend to think it's a Swiss thing. Is that true, or would Austria or Italy have the same or larger amount of security startups? Do you even know? I, don't I think there are multiple factors mm -hmm. into play, like, like with everything. But the ones I've observed, so um, there's of course, like you mentioned, the, the tradition of Switzerland uh, in terms of security, privacy, and some countries trusting Swiss, um, Swiss laws, Swiss technology, mm -hmm. and, and Swiss people. Uh, there is also support from the public sector with initiatives. Um, I mentioned, for example, EPFL, they have the Center for Digital Trust. Mm -hmm. They had the, um, I forgot the name, Trust, um, they had different projects, the, the, the Trust Valley project, mm -hmm. yes. um, which is also supported by the local um, politicians, mm -hmm. uh, by the Geneva Canton, mm -hmm. the, the Vaux Canton. So there's this push from public sector and of course, another factor is the, um, the need or the perceived need uh, because we have, m let's say, much more reliance on IT and there's all the things we see in the news every other day, there's all the ransomware uh, risks, there's all the hacks in the blockchain DeFi space. So from an emotional perspective, what people gather of this is that, oh, there's a lot of things to fix, there's a lot of things to do, mm -hmm. it's not really and then people try to seize the opportunity. Uh, maybe they have new ideas, maybe they're motivated by uh, making money. Um, there's a lot of reasons. There we have many startups now. The question is what is the return on investment? What will be the success rate? Yeah, that, that, that we'll see, but you think yeah. it's, it's an active scene and people are interested in that? Uh, I think to, to add to this um, uh, list is also we have uh, plenty of investors and people that are, are interested. Are willing and ready to yeah, do this. Not just in security, but in general, if you look at, for example, uh, the Swiss Investor Club uh, that grew immensely over the last couple of years in terms of the members and in terms of the investments and the amount of investments they did. So there's really a, a good ecosystem in Switzerland, uh, Switzerland since a couple of years now to okay. to actually start a company and find funding for a company. Okay, good. So you would guys would generally say it's a good thing to yeah. start a startup. Yeah. You would recommend that. <laughs> Hold on, it don't depends. Do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's always a learning experience, regardless yeah. of the route you you follow. Yeah. Um, and of course, there are companies that have. Well, many different profiles. Mm -hmm. uh, every company has their strengths and, and weaknesses. Um, but f from my own perspective, um, you know, I feel s some companies enter the, the field, and some of them are, let's say, trying to leverage the fact that we are a Swiss company, da da da. Mm -hmm. But to approach the, the global market, I feel that even though Switzerland is respected, having a Swiss-made label is not sufficient anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Maybe convince. it works in, f in Germany and France, but beyond. 
Switzerland doesn't <coughs> sell yeah. that much. Yeah, also in, it is in the countries you mentioned, there are also some companies that are successful because the big companies in these countries and the government, for sovereignty reasons, they want, they have to or they prefer to work with local companies. Yeah. So you have companies in Germany or France, they only work with companies from that country yeah. that do not want to work with Americans for yeah. good or bad, re or bad yeah. reasons. Yeah. Um, okay. Great. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you for watching and listening on Swiss Cyberstorm in a nutshell. This was probably the last edition of this year and the next real thing we're doing at Swiss Cyberstorm is the Swiss Cyberstorm Conference on October 12th here in Bern in the Kursaal. This is going to be an on-site conference for good or worse, but we really try to push through and see you at Swiss Cyberstorm on October 12th. Thank you.